Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Let's jump into the message. Turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to 1 Kings chapter 19. It's in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We actually have some for free at our info area. If you don't have one, go get one. And we also are going to put the Bible on the screen behind me as well. Um, and so, 1 Kings chapter 19. Today, we're starting a brand new series that we're calling Silent Killers. Okay, I know that kind of sounds ominous a little bit. But in this series, here's what we're going to do. There's some things that, we're gonna sh- that are often very comfortably hidden in the shadows, A lot of times things that aren't talked about very much, whether it's in society or in church, and we're going to actually shine a bright light into these things uh, because the truth is these things are killing so many of us and people that we love. In fact, like, here's what I believe. There's certain things that we're going to be talking about in this series that we're not talking about to the level that they're destroying people's lives. And... um, and here's, here's what I believe we're going to find, is that as we, we're not just going to talk about it, we're also going to look at this, and we're going to see what God has to say about it, because what I believe is that this is the Word of God, this is kind of our perspective, okay? Maybe you don't have this perspective, that this is the Word of God, that it's alive, that it's powerful, that it speaks to every single area of our life, including the areas that we're going to be talking about today. And, um, and throughout this series. And so, um, and I believe it's gonna be a very, like a monumental series for our church. I, I really do believe that. And so I wanna encourage you to maybe invite somebody um, that, that may come. We're even gonna try to tell you, here's the things that we're gonna be talking about in advance because you may know somebody that's, that's going through some of these things. And so, but here's what I believe, that we're gonna dive in. We're gonna see that God has to say a lot about this stuff and that what we're going to experience as a church is this, is this, freedom. It's freedom. And I believe that this could be a year where everything changes because we're going to find some, some much needed freedom that can only come from God. And today we're diving straight into the deep end of the pool. And so we're talking about a very heavy topic that honestly for me, that it's been, it's been all week leading up to this and studying this. Like my heart is so heavy because over the next few moments, we're gonna talk about depression. As this silent killer that is often destroying so many lives. Now, let me be crystal clear before we dive into this. I am not an expert. And I think it's very important that you know that, that I approach this subject very humbly, realizing that I'm not an expert, that I'm not a doctor, I'm not a professional counselor. Here's what I am. I am a pastor. And here's my role and here's my job today is to lead you as all, like it's just the job of a pastor to lead you to God. That's it, because here's what I believe, is that if I lead you to God, he will give you some much needed answers. And so that's, that, that I wanna make sure that you understand that. that. Now, so let's dive right into like the definition. And so I, I did a lot of studying, and here's kind of like the best definition that I could find that's actually from a psychologist, and it says that de- depression is a mood disorder characterized by anhedonia, okay? So anhedonia is, 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 this, is a medical term for the inability to feel pressure, of a pleasure, okay? It's like, let me put it this way, that there maybe were things that used to give you pleasure and now they don't. They stop. 
I used to love eating that food, and it made me so happy, you know, to be able to get that pizza or to get that, get that. And now it's like, I don't even, it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's, it, that's anhedonia. Extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, and feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. And depression is actually way more common than what you think. In fact, just look at that list. Like if you just go to that list and you read through all those things, I, like I dare to say that, that every single one, that all of us have dealt with stuff like that from time to time. And so if, if I, I studied a lot of stats and a lot of research and there's things like, get this, 16.2 million adults in America have experienced depression. That one out of nine people are on depression medication. One out of five have been at some point of their life. And depression medication usage has gone up 300% and is continuing to rise. Which means I'm 100% certain that there's people that are right now in this room that are going through personally this. That maybe, maybe it's, and maybe if it's not you, it's somebody that you know, somebody that you love, somebody that you consider to be a dear friend or a family member, that there's, that there's so many people that have experienced this or are currently right now in the middle of experiencing this. And listen to this quote from, from a doctor that actually I, I studied a lot from, from this doctor. So if you want to deep dive into the subject, this may be, may, may be a good person to go check out. He's a psychologist. And he said, we were never designed for this sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. And on top of that, if, if like there's this rampant time, and this is kind of just me, but this rampant time in front of screens that we're constantly in front of computers or our phones or tablets and like screen and social media and all those things. And there's this inability to process pain right now where like there's this mentality where like all pain equals bad. And so we do whatever we can to not experience that pain or to face that pain. So we medicate that pain or we try to binge our way through our pain or we try to avoid pain at all costs. And so there's a lot of times where we experience that. And then on top of that, there's this narcissistic social media selfie, hey, you know, like culture that we're in where it's so much focused on us. And, and like this psychologist, he goes on to say that depression is, get this, a disease of lifestyle. And um, one of the biggest problems um, as I've kind of deep dived into this, is that there's often this stigma attached to depression or even mental illness in general. Like there's something majorly wrong with you if that's something that you've experienced or walked through. And listen, that's got to stop in Jesus' name. And because listen, if, if I were to tell you that you're sick physically, like, guys, hey, guess what? You know, I woke up, and I'm just, I'm sick today. I, I've got a cough. I got, I got a cold. I, got, I don't, by the way, so we can shake hands afterwards. I'd love to meet you. <laughs> but, you know, you, you wouldn't think any less of me as a person. You, you, you wouldn't look down on me. You wouldn't think less of me. You wouldn't do that. But if I told you I was sick mentally, whoa, wow. And listen, if that's you, or if, you've, if you're walking through this, like, please, I need you to hear me. It is not a sin to be sick. 
that your illness is not your identity. It's not a sin to be sick. And, and I, I wanted to put this, I, I even wanted to put this in my notes, that it's okay not to be okay. If you're here, you're like, man, I'm struggling. It's, it's okay not to be okay. And I desperately want you to hear that today, that you don't have to hide you don't have to be ashamed because the truth is when, when it's not okay to be okay, then we hide. And when we hide and when we're ashamed, that's when the real problems come in. It's whenever we hide. And so tragically, church, this thing that we're a part of right now, historically, has kind of transitioned and morphed over the years to where a lot of times it's a place where you come wearing a mask, acting like you have it all together. And listen directly from me as the pastor of this church, not this church. Okay? We are not a country club of people who have it all together. We are a hospital for sick people who have issues. Listen, we all have issues. Come on, can't get a better amen than that. Who, 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 who else got some issues in here? Anybody got some issues? If your hand is not up, that is your issue, okay? How <laughs> I many your issue is right beside you? No, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. Some of us have so many issues, our issues are, have issues, you know, and um, we all have issues, and this is a hospital for sick people, not a country club for people who have it all together. Listen, some of us just got to the hospital before you. That's it. And so it's, it's okay not to be okay, and the Bible actually talks a lot about depression. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible that's called Lamentations, which is like, this is all the things that I have wrong with the world, and these are all my problems with people, and like, there's a whole book that's called Lamentations, and in fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 2, it says this. It says, everything, everything is meaningless, Completely, completely, not not even a little bit, completely meaningless. Aren't you so encouraged that you came to church today? You know, it's in the Bible, you know. In in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, the apostle Paul, one of the, like the, a guy that wrote a bunch of the Bible, he says, we think you ought to know, dear brother, and this is why you want to talk about it, because we think you need to know. Regardless of whether you've experienced this personally or not, we all need to be aware of this, Okay dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through, that we are, cru- listen to this language, we, are, we, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought that we would never, like we didn't even think we would make it. And then it says this in Job chapter 10, and here's a few verses, it says, I, I, I can't stand my life. I hate it. So, why did, you, why did you have me born? I wish no one had ever laid eyes on me. I, I wish I'd never lived a, still, a stillborn buried without ever having breathed. Isn't it time to call it quits on my life? And I think that highlights even that passage and that, that language. It highlights one of the worst things about depression is that some people because of their depression, choose to end their lives. In fact, one million people worldwide per year commit suicide. 4,000 people, uh, 40,000 people in America. Twice the murder rate 
the number one killer, the number one killer of 15 to 24-year-olds. And in fact, it became very personal to me because somebody who did exactly what I did, a young pastor in California this fall through mental illness, made a decision to end his life as a lead pastor. And so it affects a lot of people. And I want to make sure that you understand. And, and I, 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 even, I even struggle with, do, do I go here? But like I said, it's my job as a pastor to lead you to God. And I feel strongly, and I've, I was praying this morning, and I felt like somebody needs to hear this because it's going to save their life. And maybe you're thinking things right now, and you've gone to dark places in your mind and in your thoughts. I want to make sure that you understand that suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. And it's important. It's really important. And I'm preaching with urgency today and a heavy heart. And so if you're, if you're dealing with this, listen, you don't have to die to end your pain. You don't. That there's hope. You don't have to die to end your pain. In fact, well, I wanted to put this up there. This is a, it's a suicide, national suicide prevention hotline. Um, and so if, if that's you, if you've ever thought this, or maybe, like, I just encourage you, write this down. If you ever get to a place where you just need to talk to somebody, there's people on the other end of that, of that number that are there 24 hours a day to be able to help walk you through that, that are trained, that know. Like, and so I just want to encourage you, 1-800-237-8255. Write that down. I want to make sure we, we gave you this. But today... You know, the Bible talks a lot about it, and, but we want to focus primarily on a story in 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory before we jump into the actual text itself. Because you need to understand that 1 Kings 18 uh, is one of the coolest, like, go God, like, God is, like, flexing his muscle. Like, it's a really cool, like, it fires me up every time I read it, chapters of the Bible. Go read it sometime this week. And it has this, this, this famous Bible character by the name of Elijah. And he actually has, like, this duel, this face-off with 450 prophets of Baal, like another god. And it's really cool just kind of what happens. And God just kind of shows up, shows out, kind of flexes his God muscles and kind of defeats these guys. In fact, he goes and he ends up killing like all 450. And I'm telling you, I, like all the men will understand this. If you have a big win like that, like you are feeling good, you know? You kind of got swag with your walk and you're like, come on, you know? Anything can take me off. Like, any, and I know I'm gonna win, you know? And so like... So it's this really like awesome, incredible, highest of high moments. And then whenever you look at 1 Kings 19, he experienced the lowest of lows. And I think that there's a lesson in there for many of us that your lowest of lows probably come after your highest of highs when you're least expecting it. Okay, so li listen to this text, 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, when Ahab got home, he was the king at the time, he told Jezebel, okay, she was the queen, Everything Elijah had done, all those wins, all those good things, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So he's feeling good. And then it says this. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you 
just as you killed them. Now, it's like, this man of God, are you kidding me? Do you know what I just experienced? Do you know that I just took on 450 guys and I went and smoked them? So one little pen pal letter from some lady, like you think that's gonna affect me? Listen to what it says. In verse three, it says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. See, Elijah was in an extremely dark place. And if you look through that def- definition of depression, if you look, that there's a good chance that some of those things is what he was experiencing there. And by all accounts, he was depressed. So how did he get there? I want to give you three things that helped, like I think that we can see from that text that got him to that place. And the first is this, is deception. The very first thing that happened was deception. You see that in, in verse three where it says, Elijah was afraid. And he fled for his life. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He literally thought that it would be better for him to die than to face whatever was coming his way. He was deceived. He says, I've had enough, he said. And how quickly did he forget what happened in chapter 18? How quickly did he forget his wins? How quickly did he forget how God just showed up and showed out in his life? And in that moment, he was all up in his fields. And he, like, he was just like, he was just, and in that moment, he was led by his feelings. And by the way, feelings will lie to you. And you, it's important for you to understand that feelings will lie to you. In fact, like here's, I'm thankful for feelings. I'm thankful that, you know, sometimes you have those with the, your significant other and you just feel like the butterflies and, you, you know, like the, I'm thankful for, for the good feelings. And then, I, you know, I'm even thankful for, for, for some, of the, some of the hard feelings that we feel sometimes. But here's what I've learned. Feelings make awful leaders. And so I like, I want to feel them. I just don't want to be led by them. Feelings are not facts. Get it? <laughs> Feelings are not facts. And ultimately, if you look at this text, he was deceived into thinking about so many of the wrong things. And with so many things that we're going to talk about in this series, so much of it comes down to the way that we think. And the truth is, and this is kind of a theological part of the message, you need and I need to understand that we have a very real enemy. In fact, that's, that's a lot of times called Satan, the devil, whatever you wanna put. There's a very real enemy. And in John 10, 10, it actually gives his job description, which is to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. And the Bible also says that he is a liar. In fact, it says that that is his native language. So like he is fluent in lies and he is the father of lies. And the Bible also says that not only is he a liar, not only is that, but that he, another phrase that it says is he is the deceiver. I wanted to share all those passages with you, but we just didn't have, to. I've got a lot of content, and so I, I shouldn't even be saying this right now, okay? Um, but, through, but through, listen, through lies and deception, this is what he does, through lies and deception, trying to get as many lies as he can for you to believe, all these ways to deceive you, through lies and deception, he tries to steal, kill, and destroy everything in my life and in your life. And that's why it is so important for you to know truth, to know truth. 
Because when you know truth, you'll recognize a lie. But you can't recognize that it's a lie if you don't know the truth. And so let me encourage you. This is kind of like a practical part. Spend every single day at some point in God's word. That, like, spend some time. And listen, maybe you've never read the Bible. That's cool. Maybe just start with one verse a day. In fact, if you want to download version, it's a free Bible app. So if you have any phone that has an app store, you can go and it says a verse of the day. It's just one verse. Read that. It'll take you literally 10 seconds. And here's the cool thing. They did all the hard work. It's all the ones that I underline in my Bible. It's like, like, the, like the bomb verses. You're like, you know, like, that's awesome. That's great. In fact, gets the, get, this is God. It's got to be God. Okay, here's the verse of the day today. This is the one today. Listen, Psalm 119, 105. Go look it up. I'm not lying, okay? It says, truth, truth is shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The, the revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Thank you, you version. <laughs> Preach and for me. Listen, spend time. It's alive. It's powerful. It's the only book that's breathing. It's the only book where the author is present at all times. And I'm telling you, it is truth. I love what John 8 says where Jesus is talking he says, if you stick with this, hey, if you, if you stick with my life, if you stick with the things that I'm teaching you, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. And then if you stick with this, you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will free you. So he got there by deception. Here's a second way. He got there by isolation. If you see in verse three, it says, he, he, he went to that town in Judah and he left his servant there and he went off. Then he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. He was completely alone. He left everybody. He got isolated. And that's a dangerous place to be. We're actually gonna talk more about this in this series. But did you know that the very first thing that God said in the Bible that was not good was loneliness? In fact, in Genesis chapter two, he says it's not good for man to be alone. And so some of you right now, you may be living totally isolated, alone lives. In fact, how many of you know it is so easy, especially today, where we're so connected but yet more isolated than ever before, to be in a room just like this, full of people, and still feel completely alone. And that maybe you're experiencing that right now right here in that moment. Or maybe some of you have gotten alone in your thoughts and you're the only one that's, that's knowing what you're thinking. You're the only one that's knowing those places that you're going to mentally. And listen, if you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. And you, you, you don't have to tell everyone, but you do need to tell someone. And that's why our small groups are such a big deal. Um, where we get out of these rows and we get into circles. And I'm so excited because later this month, at the, at the very end of this month, we're actually ramping up right now to launch our very first semester of our small groups. I mean, I'm telling you, I couldn't be more excited because I think it is something that, that we, we've been trying to figure out church and now we're ready to do small groups. 
And, um, and so like, we're gonna have all types of groups that meet at all different times. It's not gonna be like all the groups meet on this day at this time and cover this topic. That's not how we roll. You actually come to, come to I'm just gonna not say a ton of stuff because you just need to go to Grow Track today. I'll tell you more about it. But basically we do what we call free market groups, which means whatever your life is, whatever your schedule allows, let's do groups around that. So whatever you love, make it a group. And so we're going to have all types of groups. We're going to have men's groups and women's groups. We're going to have, you know, groups around certain ages. And, you know, there's going to be groups that are like interest-based groups. And so there's going to be working out groups. And there's going to be Bible study groups. There's going to be marriage groups. There's like, there's going to be parenting groups. There's going to be financial groups that kind of teach you about like finances and all these type things. But listen, here's the deal. All that stuff, it's just kind of smoke and mirrors. Because we're not trying to teach you curriculum. That's a hook. That's it. So like, you know, uh, let's just say basketball, okay? That's a hook to get you around other people that like basketball. And our, our whole goal of our small groups is for you to find people. It's for you to find friends. It's to make sure that you're not alone, that, that, you know, that you're not isolated, that you can find real community. And here's the whole goal is to get around a group of people where you can do this. Take off your mask and be real and say, here's what's going on in my life. And we like to put it this way in our house. And listen, I hope it becomes a mantra at this church is that we refuse to live life alone. We refuse so I don't care what it is, what it's gonna look like. Man, we refuse. And here's when you need to refuse to live life alone is when you want to live life alone. That's when it really matters. But that we refuse. I, I love this in Ecclesiastes chapter four. After the meaningless, I guess he got out of it. And he said this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. If you're by yourself, you're gonna lose. But two can stand back to back and conquer. That's actually where we get the term in culture, I got your back. It's from the Bible. So two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, let's make it a small group. They're even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And so we got there by isolation. Here's the third way is comparison. He got there by comparison. If you see the end of, of verse four, he says this, take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors. He starts to, he, who have already died, they're already gone, but their life was better. He starts comparing his life to them. And here's what I found, comparison kills. It really does. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And today, comparison is rampant, especially with social media. Because we compare our normal day-to-day -day life to everybody else's highlight reel. And it's like, Listen, listen, nobody's life is as good as their Instagram feed, okay? Just need to know that. They're not putting the meltdown of their kids on there, you know? Nobody's life is as good as their Instagram, okay? And, uh, and so he begins to compare and he gets to do all, in fact, like, <clears throat> I think it's so rampant on social media that over the next 21 days, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm actually disconnecting from social media. It's, it's the first time I've ever done it since I had it. I'm taking three weeks where I'm just unplugging. I'm fasting from that because I, I just need to turn down the volume a little bit. I, I, just, I just need a break. I just need a break. And so I invite you to join us in 21 days of prayer and fasting that starts today. 
And so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's like, I, I don't really know what that is. Here, here's the simplest way. We combine prayer and fasting for two reasons. One, prayer, it connects us to God. And then fasting, it disconnects us from the world. And so here's another way to put it. We're turning down the volume of the world, just like somebody turned down the volume of whatever fan is going on. <laughs> Things in my head, okay? Turning down that so we can hear God more clearly. It's not that God's talking, le- talking more. It's just we're turning down the volume so that we can hear him. And so we do that by prayer and fasting. And so we have a ton of resources that are available on, on, our, on our website, queencitypeople.com slash prayer. And it has all types of information about different types of fast and what it looks like and other resources, different things there. But I want to make sure that you knew as a church what our schedule is because we're actually going to pray together as a church every single day. Like we're going to pray on Sundays at church, okay? But Monday through Friday, we're praying from 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, it's early. Yeah, yeah. But like you got work and you got jobs and you got things like that. So we wanted to make sure we did a time and it's downtown at a a spot called The Warehouse. It's 1455 Dalton Avenue. I just want to invite you to come out as much as you can. And we're always going to start on time. We're always going to end on time. And in fact, we're going to try to end early as much as we can. So because we know that you got jobs and you got things to do, but we're going to set aside some time to pray together as a church. And then on Saturday, we actually do this every single Saturday at the same exact spot from nine to 10, get to sleep in a little bit. God is good. Okay. And we'll, we'll go and we'll pray together on Saturday mornings as well. And so maybe, maybe if you can just make those, I want to invite you to be able to come out and hang out with us. And here's the simple goal of 21 days of prayer. Here's, here's the goal just to get close to God. That's it. I know, it's not very novel, but that's it. We, at the very first of the year, we just want to get as close to God as we can and ride that wave all the way through the, through the year, okay? So that, that's the goal. So how did Elijah get there? How did he get to that dark place? Through deception, isolation, comparison. And the truth is, there could be some people in this room that are facing that same exact stuff, and it's real. And I'm going to go a little bit longer today. We actually worked that into our to our service today because I thought about ending it there. It's like, okay, let's make sure that like a good doctor, we diagnose all the reasons why we get there. But here's what I felt God say. But people want to know, how do I get out of it? Like, that's great. I have the diagnosis, but give me the medicine because I don't want to live this way anymore. And so what's cool is that if you continue reading through the chapter, you will actually see the answers to how God pulled Elijah out of that situation. And, and when I look through it, I see four things. And here's the first one. This is kind of the application part. It's get healthy physically. It's to get healthy physically. Listen, listen to this. Listen to the, listen what the Bible says. This is right after that. He says, then he, 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 he lay down and he, and he slept. That's what he did. He went to go sleep under the broom tree. He didn't end his life. He went to go to sleep. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him. And a lot, a lot of scholars believe that that was like Jesus coming in the Old Testament. And so he came and he told him, get up and eat. Some of you, that, that, it's like your, that, that's my verse for this year. That's my verse. I'm going to get up and eat. <clears throat> and he looked around and there beside his head, that angel had whipped up some bread, hot bread, with butter, 
you know, that's, that's just my version, okay? Baked on hot stones and, and, a, and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay back down, took another nap. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to just keep going. And so here's what's crazy thing that scientific studies have shown that our physical health affects our mental health. So, and, I, I, and listen, whatever you can think about this, if I actually saw it on Twitter, but Chance the Rapper actually posted something and he said like, medication is great, all this stuff, but try all these things and then try. And it was like all these things about like your, your, your physical, you know, your physical body. So let me just encourage you with some things. Go work out, take a walk, get an accountability partner. Go do that with somebody. You know, like get outside, experience some sunlight. Today it's sunny, okay? It's not a lot, sometimes in the winter, you know? So when there is, go, just feel it, okay? Yeah, experience, uh, eat healthier foods. Don't just do the fast food, drive through, eat while you're going down the road with your, you know, like meal and you're rushing, you know, like no. No, and maybe start with the fast. Let this be something that kind of kickstarts some of this stuff in your life, but slow down. Sleep more. Rest. Take a nap. In fact, whatever you have, this is your pastor talking to you now. Whatever you have the rest of your day, cancel it and go take a nap. I'm serious. All the men said, come on, amen. You know, amen, I like this guy. You hear that woman? You know, like... Don't do that. Guys, don't, okay? Listen, this is what it says in Psalm 127. Listen to what the Bible says. In vain you rise early and stay up late. In vain. You're just, why, why are you doing that? Why are you taking this badge of honor that I work more than everybody else? I don't sleep. In vain. How's that working out for you? You rise early and stay up late. I say work smarter. Come on. Toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. And some of you think this is ridiculous. I don't care. I did studying. Listen, take a nap. It'll help. It'll help. First thing, get healthy physically. I, like I literally, I pray in Jesus' name that you have the best sleep of your life tonight. Here's the second thing. Go to God. Go to God. In verse 10, if you continue to read, Elijah just unloads on God right afterwards. He just unloads on him. He holds nothing back. He word vomits and frustrations, problems and issues. And honestly, a lot of it is straight up wrong. Like, it's just wrong. It's like super bad theology. It doesn't even make sense. Like, he's just kind of, he's complaining a lot. It's really self-pity on there. But there's an extreme truth behind these words. Listen, and it's this. You can go to anything. You can go to God with anything. You just can. Frustration, problems, issues, depression, questions, doubt, anything, you can go to God. God is not afraid of your issues. God is not intimidated by your issues. And in your darkest moments of life, listen, God is right next to you. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom. She says, that no pit is too deep that God's love is not deeper still. I love that. 
And today, here's the invitation from Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28, it says, And Jesus said, Come to me. Come to me. If you feel this, if you're experiencing this, come to me. All you who are weary and carrying these heavy burdens, and I, here's a promise, I will give you the, what you need. I'll give you rest. And in just a few moments, we're going to give you the opportunity to give you the opportunity to come to Jesus and find that. To start or to restart a relationship with him to make the decision to follow Jesus. So go to God. Here's the third thing that I see in this text is that you can experience the presence of God. And I'm not, I'm not going to read this scripture, but I want you to notice that right after, if you read verse 11 and 12, right after he complains, right after he goes to God, it, it has this really like powerful moment where he experiences all these powerful things, this, this mighty rushing wind, but it says God wasn't in the wind. Then it says there was this earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says that it experienced this fire, but that God wasn't in the fire. And then it says at the very end, it says that he heard the sound of a gentle whisper. And that was God. And, and um, you know, like he experienced this presence of God. And you need to constantly experience the presence of God. That's why church is so important. That's why it's so important to come here and experience the presence of God together, that we work really hard, and there's a group of people that work really hard to make sure that we create environments and moments for you and the people that you love and the people that you work with, and to be able to come in here week in and week out and experience God. But there also needs to be some moments where you experience God away from here as well. And that's why I really want to invite you to be a part of the next 21 days of prayer and fasting to do that so that we can have these moments to, ha- to hear this gentle whisper of God. Because here's what I believe with all my heart. One moment in God's presence can change everything. I believe it. I believe it. I'm all in on it. One moment can change everything, okay? And here's the last one, and then, and then I'll land the plane, okay? I promise you, I'm sorry for going a little bit longer, but I, I just felt like, I really felt like God said, go the distance with them. I used to say, like, give him that last 10%. And here's, here's the last one. Let God give you new purpose. Let God give you new purpose. Because if you continue in the text, it's so cool because after that happens, it, it says God actually starts giving him new assignments. And he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. Now that, now that you heard my whisper and now that you've had this experience, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, one, go over here and anoint this guy king. Then I want you to go over here and anoint this guy king. And then it says, by the end, he says, I want you to go over here and anoint the next prophet. And he goes and he gives him these assignments and he gives him these things. In other words, God gives him a new purpose. And here's what I've learned. Purpose is powerful. It just is. Purpose is, without it, nothing's worse. But with it, there's nothing that's better. And, and this is so, like, I don't want you to feel like this is simple, but I, I need you to hear this as truth. God has a purpose for your life. Some of you have not believed that, and listen, all of you, every single, God has a purpose for your life, and we're going to continue as a church to beat that drum so that you can believe it and discover it and that your life will forever be changed. That's why we do Grow Track. It, that's literally the purpose of our growth track is to help people discover their purpose. Because when that happens, here's the amazing thing. You can still have all the problems and the issues of your life, but when you know your purpose, you have something bigger. 
to me, it's actually like the, the way that you solve the problems of your life. It's not that all those things get away. It's that you have something bigger in your life than your problems. So you'll go to bed with the same problems and issues, but you'll have something bigger in your life than ever before. Because now you're living on assignment. I love, I love what Paul says, and I do need to read this one because this is good, okay? Second Corinthians chapter four and verse 16 through 18 says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. There's something bigger than what's going on to me physically. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. What incredible perspective. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Does that help anybody? Okay. Let me end with this. I'll end with this story. It's a... um, one of the darkest seasons of my life was when it came during this church planning process. Um, on paper, everything was great. Like if you were to see my life outside looking in, it would look like, man, that life is awesome. Um, I was serving in a very public role at one of the most influential churches on the planet. I had more influence than I had ever dreamed. Uh, I, had, I had financial security. Um, we were living in an awesome house. Um, but the truth is, I was miserable. I don't know if you've ever been there. And it's the best way I can. I was so discontent. And, it, and during that season is when God actually spoke to me about planning this church. It was, it, was, it was a little over four years ago. And when that happened, it, but even though, even though God spoke that to me, he gave me that assignment. I don't know if this has ever happened in your life. It felt so far away. It didn't, like, it's like, yeah, I felt like God spoke that to me, but I didn't see any path of how I could get there, and I didn't have any clue what it looked like to get, and I felt so, in fact, I didn't even feel like I was moving towards it. I felt stuck. And um, I'm not sure if I was depressed, but here's what I do know. I felt hopeless. And when I read through that description, that's what it said. And I felt hopeless. And even the Bible says that hope deferred, the absence of hope, that it makes the heart sick. And I felt like I had a sick heart during that season of my life. And I needed God desperately to do something. And so get this, two years ago, during 21 days of prayer and fasting, the same as I've been doing this for about eight years. So two years ago, during this time, I literally every single day got up early in the morning and the church that I was doing it with there did it at six. Okay, so we're doing it at 6.30. Okay, just saying. But every single day I'd get up and I'd go to prayer. And guys, like, I was so hopeless. And I would sit there literally on my knees, begging God to do something, desperately needing him to pull me out of this, what it felt like was I was just stuck. And on day 13 of that 21 days of prayer and fasting, I got called into a meeting and out of nowhere, and I didn't see it coming, was given my next step in this church planning process. 
and all of a sudden hope. And I can tell you, the, the last two years of my life, I've never, I, and I got a new assignment and I got fresh purpose and I've never been more fulfilled in my life. I've never had more joy. I mean, this has been the most fun, crazy adventure of my life and I've never felt more purpose. I've had to, I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm having the time of my life. I'm telling you, nobody's got it better than me. You try, you can't, okay? I'm living a dream. And listen, listen, God can give you that type of fulfillment, that type of purpose. He can pull you out of wherever you're in. There's hope, there's hope. Do not give up, there's hope. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. It's something that we try to do every single week. We just try to ask God, God, right now, this is not just ending something. Like this is, this is a moment where we get to hear from God and to ask God, God, what are you saying to me today? Maybe ask him this, just right there. Just ask God, what does my response need to be today? And for some of you, the response that you need to make is to really accept Jesus's invitation to come to him. You've tried other things. You've done other ways. You've tried to go off and do these different things. But Jesus is saying, come to me if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're worn down, if you're burned out, and I'm going to give you what you desperately want, rest. And you can experience that true rest that comes from having a relationship with Jesus, giving him your life, making a decision to follow him. And maybe you could start this year, the very first Sunday of the year, by making a decision to start or restart or, or your relationship with Jesus. And so we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna call you forward. We're not gonna do anything to embarrass you at all. But what we wanna do is we just wanna give you the opportunity to say, I wanna make that decision today. And maybe I, I wanna follow Jesus for the first time or maybe I wanna, I wanna come back to him. So if that's, if that's you and you wanna make that decision, I, I, I do want you to raise your hand in just a second because I think it's important that you say, God, I'm, 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 I'm taking that step today. And that's it. It's not for me. It's, it's for you and God. So if you want to make that decision, you just raise your hand right now and just say, hey, that's, that's the decision I want to make. That's awesome. That's great. Proud of you. Proud of you. That's awesome. That's great. You can put your hands down. Just pray this in your heart. Begin to pray like just, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry I've lived my life without you. Like, come live inside me today. Change me and make me brand new. God, I, I surrender my whole life to you. Everything, 100%. And I make the choice to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 